Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How we doing? We good? We're good, yeah. Hey, look to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Look to your other neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here too. If you're watching online, drop in the chat and say, I'm glad other people are watching with me right now. I mean, I'm glad that you're here. You made a good choice to be here today. I'm so thankful that you're here today. It's a great day. You heard the Waffle House song. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But on your way out today, we have catered in Waffle House waffles. All right? Can I get a hello for that? Uh, Some of you were like, hey, did you get the all-star special? That's my go-to. No, we didn't. Um, But we did get waffles. So we'd love for you to grab those on your way out today. But I'm thankful that you're here. We had a great, great Sunday last week. We prayed over all of our students and teachers and just a really, really fantastic day. Uh, We kicked off this series. We also had, between our two services, I think over 60 people in our Salsa with the Staff event for new people to come and to get to know us and our team and for us to get to know them. Absolutely. It was just a really, really fun thing. It was so successful that I got no Salsa. So we're going to do a different event next time where it's just Jeremy eats Salsa and waves at people. I don't know. We're going to... I did go to Mexican for lunch because I was tasting the salsa and didn't get any. But uh, no, I, it was a great, great week last week. And so I'm, I'm thankful that some of you, you're back today. It's bump up Sunday and our G kids, which means our kids that are aging up into new environments, our new kindergartners, they're in new environments. It's just a really, really great day there. And it's also the day that we kick off our G group semester. So uh, if you are in a group, you've been in a group, you're thinking about a group, today's the best day for you to sign up for a group. Now, all of our groups, for the most part, they launch as far as start meeting over the next few weeks, one, two, three weeks. But all of our groups begin their registration process today and next Sunday. And so you can find a lot of information on our website and the Church Center app. You click on the Groups tab. But the best time for you, and we had a ton of people after the first service, we bumped back the start of this service a little bit because we had so many people out in the lobby there kind of finding information, meeting group leaders, signing up for groups. So we would love for you to do that. And there's a couple of groups I just want to highlight quickly. Uh, There's a ton of them for you to consider. But uh, man, we have a brand new group for young married couples. And so this also includes those of you who are like engaged or really seriously dating, and you know that's kind of the next step, but really looking at this young married group. And so if you've got somebody you're, you know, you're dating seriously, but they haven't given you a ring yet, just sign up for the group. They'll get the message. Um, I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's passive aggressive. Do not, do not do that. But no, if you are newly married, you're newly wed, you've been married for a little bit, or you're about to get married over the next few weeks or months, we would love for you to jump into this group with John and Michelle Thacker. It's going to be a fantastic group. We really, really encourage that. Also, if you are a young adult, now some of you, you feel like a young adult, but when you look in the mirror or your driver's license, you know you are not a young adult. I'm not going to point at anybody. My hand is raised. Uh, I realize how not young adult I am when I play like my two church softball games of the year. I've got to take so much medicine from the soreness from church softball. I'm like, yep, not as young as I used to be. But if you're 18 to 24 or 25 or so, we'd love for you to jump into our young adults group. Pastor Carson and Madeline lead that. You can go to the lobby, meet them and some other folks today. And then this semester, we are offering for the very first time divorce care. So back at our annual Easter survey, a number of you filled out that you were presently going through a divorce or you had just come through a divorce or potentially that was on the horizon for you. Uh, And we're praying and believing that's not the case, but we are offering divorce care for the first time as a church this fall. And so if that's something that you feel like would benefit you or someone you know, we would encourage you to sign up for that group as well. So many group offerings, we'd love for you to check those out. You'll hear a few more of those opportunities next week as well. But go to the website, go to the Church Center app, 
and stop by the lobby today to meet some of our leaders. But today, we're continuing in this series we started last week called Figuring Out Family. Figuring out family. We said last week that everybody's a part of a family. Maybe it's your family of origin. Maybe you have a family unit living in your house right now, and it's you and a spouse and a couple of kids, or maybe you've already come through that stage and you've got the empty nest syndrome or your grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle. You're a part of a family unit in some form. And so we, we used that song that we heard a few months ago on Instagram by the Jonas Brothers, and, and these were some of the lyrics from the chorus. This is, no, don't get stressed. Some of you can identify with that. It's going to get figured out. Deep conversations at the Waffle House. That's why we're eating waffles today. Maybe you'll go there. We'll get a kickback. We don't. I wish we did. Headstrong father, determined mother. Oh, that's why some nights we tried to kill each other. Some of you can relate to that. But you know it's always love. Our hope is that you land back at this place of love for one another. And so uh, we've used these lyrics to kind of craft a series around what God's word says to us about the unit of family. And so we've talked about family a lot. One or two times a year, we come back to this place of looking to God's word, because so many of us, this is right where we're living. And again, on the Easter survey, many of you responded about topics that really came out of this, this family unit, family idea. And so what we know for all of us is that that stress, that hurt, that pain that comes from family sometimes, it's not unique to, to anyone. Like everybody has the same kind of struggle. Last week, we talked about being a family of faith that you could live a family of faith, be a family of faith, but not if you just add faith in kind of on the side. It's just something you do one day a week or every now and then. It's got to be kind of the main thing. You got to build your family on faith. So today I want to talk about a little different subject that again comes right out of that Easter survey that so many of you said. We asked a question. We said, what are some topics that you would like to hear what God's word says to us? And the number two response was forgiveness. Forgiveness. You said, hey, I've been hurt. I'm walking through hurt. Someone has hurt me. Uh, I've hurt someone. I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile. And so we want to talk today about forgiveness. And I recognize that some of you, when you came in, you thought, man, this is not where I thought we were headed. But all of us have experienced hurt in some way. Actually, a survey says this. 100% of humans have experienced some type of hurt. That's not a survey. I just made that number up. But 100% of people have been Heard. It's just true. So I'm going to preach the easiest part of this sermon right up front. If you are the offending party, you caused the hurt, you did the thing, you said the thing that you shouldn't have done, it caused someone in your family, a friend, you are the offending party. You caused the harm to someone else. This is the easiest part of this sermon to preach, still, still difficult to live out. You need to go and make it right. You need to go to God and say, God, I I harmed someone, I hurt someone, I said something I shouldn't have said or done, and so God, please forgive me. And then if it's necessary, and it very well might be, you need to go to that person and ask for their forgiveness. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should go hop on a plane today, this afternoon, fly to the West Coast, and apologize to a guy that was in your seventh grade science class. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe you reach out on Facebook if you need to to apologize for some things that you did on a recurring basis in middle school, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm saying, hey, if there's some people in your life and you know you did harm, you you know that you hurt them and you are the offending party, you need to go and make it right. Before we do a whole lot of other things in this service, I need to bring us back to This great reminder from God's word in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, where it says this. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. 
You got to go to those people before you try to go to God. There's something there. There's a barrier there. In, in the Jewish tradition, the Jewish faith, there's the Day of Atonement called Yom Kippur, this day of fasting, this day of atonement, a recognition of what we seek from God. And these Jewish people would celebrate that annually. It's, it's perhaps the biggest day of the year for even non-practicing Jews. But the night before Yom Kippur is Erev Yom Kippur. Before they fast for 24 hours, they come together for a meal to eat together and to celebrate and to be together with friends and family. But one of the components of Erev Yom Kippur is that if there's anything that is not right between you and a friend or family member, that you would go and make it right with them. The thought being here that you can't make things right with God until you first make things right with others. That if there's something going on between us, I've got to make it right before I come and try to worship God and praise God. If you are the offending party, if you've hurt somebody and it has happened and it will happen perhaps again and again, you got to go and make it right and then repent to God and ask God to help you not to do those things and cause harm to other people again. But you and I know that there's also another side to this. There's also the side of those of us who are not the offending party in every one of these instances. We are the offended party. Someone did something to us. This is not a new phenomenon, a new reality. Jesus knew this. When he taught us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, it says this. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Forgive us as we have forgiven those who sin against us. The implication is that people will sin against us. They will. They're going to do things to harm us, to hurt us. They're going to say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't do, and it is going to leave us wounded. But the second implication here in the words of Christ is that you and I would forgive those who are doing the hurting to us. Now, I told you at the very beginning, maybe this is not what you signed up for today. Maybe you didn't show up. You didn't know this is where we were headed. You just came. Somebody invited you, or this, this was the Sunday you normally come to church in a given month, or you're here because you were here last week, and you're trying to really make this a priority for your family, but you didn't know this is where we were headed, and you are not here for this. I knew this is where we were headed. I knew this is what the Lord had laid on our hearts as a team what God was doing in me. And so I want you to hear two things from me. One, I've been praying for you all week long. I pray for you on a regular basis, but this week I have been praying for you all week long because I knew we were headed right here. And I don't know your hurt. I don't know your pain. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know the nights you couldn't get to sleep. And I don't know how many times you've cried yourself to sleep. And I don't know how many times you've had just fits of anger in your car because of what they said and what they did. I don't know how long you've been carrying these wounds. And maybe those wounds have scarred over, but you still carry the scar. I don't know. And so I've been praying for you this week. That God would prepare us for this moment and what he desires to do in and through us over the few moments that we have together, here's the second thing that I want you to know. I don't know, but God knows. God knows and he cares. He does see every tear that you've cried. He does know every bit of hurt, every bit of pain. He knows every word that was spoken. He knows how bad it hurt you. He knows and he cares. First Peter chapter 5 reminds us of that when it says that we can cast our cares 
upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. He cares for what you've walked through and what you are walking through. Isaiah 53, in those prophetic words there in this portion of Isaiah, which is speaking prophetically about what would come in the Messiah, who he would be and what he would accomplish, he said that it was by his stripes that were healed. And those stripes were not just, in my opinion, for your physical healing, but the emotional trauma and things that you've walked through. He provides for our healing in advance. And so all of us recognize that if we have been hurt, we come to a place where we are confronted with per- perhaps the need to forgive. And maybe you say, hey, I'm not there today. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be kind, but I'm not there. But statistics would tell us, the nonprofit Fetzer Institute says this out of a survey, 62% of American adults say they need more forgiveness in their personal lives. of American adults say they need more forgiveness in their American life, in their life, in their personal life. Like there's there's some stuff that's happened, and they recognize that perhaps forgiveness is the next step to unlocking some things, to bringing peace in their marriage, peace in their homes, something to change in their life. Forgiveness perhaps is that step. And so if today you would just be open for us to dialogue through God's word about what forgiveness looks like, let's just unpack a few things for us to consider first. First, we need to recognize that most people aren't trying to hurt you because they enjoy it. They're just not. If we could come to that reality, now there are definitely anomalies and outliers to that thought. Statistics would tell us that less than 6% of the population in the world say that they enjoy causing harm to others. Now, I gotta be honest, when I read that said, I thought, that's a little higher than I would like it to be. I feel like 6%, like I might know some of those folks, but less than 6% of the population of the globe say that they enjoy causing harm to other people. That number is multiplied times higher of those incarcerated. And so when you remove the number of people that are in long-term jail sentences, prison terms that do say, hey, I'm here because I enjoy causing harm to others, you remove those from the numbers, that number drops dramatically from the people that you and I are doing life with on a regular basis. These sadists and psychopaths, they're they're not the people that you and I are interacting with on a regular basis. So most of the people that cause you harm, they either are doing so by accident or even if they're doing so intentionally in a certain season or a certain relationship or a certain interaction, it's not because they enjoy causing you harm, statistics would tell us. And so if they aren't trying to to hurt you on purpose, why are they doing what they did? Why, Why did they do what they did to hurt you? Well, the, the old adage goes that hurt people hurt people. We got a young man in our church. He's a country singer in Nashville. He wrote a song called Hurt People. He was here in the first service. Fantastic. Hurt people hurt people. That's just the truth. And so if we can gain some perspective as we process our hurt and process the things that we've walked to, it doesn't take away what we're feeling and it also doesn't let them off the hook. But perhaps it brings some reshaping to what we've experienced, and we can ask some questions that might help us to find healing or to find some understanding. We say, well, what might they have experienced that's caused them to treat me this way, to say those things, to do those things? But it's also important for us to have what I would call like a proper perspective. And I told you, I don't know your hurt. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you're experiencing right now, the trauma that you've walked. I don't know all of that. So I'm not placing the blame on you. Don't hear that. But I think we've got to keep proper perspective and recognize that in all of us, 
we tend to judge others based on their actions and judge ourselves based on our intentions. We tend to judge others based on their actions, but judge ourselves based on our intentions. And so when someone hurts us, we see what they did and we blame them for it. But when we inflict harm on someone else, we know we didn't mean to. We know it wasn't supposed to come out that harshly. We weren't trying to. And so we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. And so what happens is we judge others based on the very real actions, the things that they did. It doesn't excuse what they did to hurt us. But if we gain a proper perspective, which we find in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, when it says this, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? We all have the ability to inflict pain on someone else. We do. Intentionally or unintentionally, like premeditated or not, like we all have the ability to inflict pain and hurt on other people. And so we have to be careful and maintain a proper perspective as we try to process the hurt that we're walking through. And when we think about it like that, it does allow us to be a little more grace-filled and a little more merciful. We see those words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, when it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If I were writing Matthew 5, 7, I might say it like this, give the grace that you hope to receive. Give the grace that you hope to receive. So you're real quiet right now, which makes me think you're mad at me, but that's okay. That's all right. I'm not saying you're the one that did wrong. I'm saying they did wrong, but we've got to keep some proper perspective. Eventually, though, we have to acknowledge Someone else hurt us, and perhaps they are at that point where they're actually asking us for forgiveness. They say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I I didn't mean to, and I'm sorry. I've said this a lot. We we wrote about this in our marriage book, but like anytime Corey and I are in conflict at all, I'm the one that says I'm sorry too quickly. Anybody else? Just me. Okay, you bunch of liars. That's fine. But like if I don't like conflict, and so I, I really don't like for us to be in conflict, and it doesn't happen very often, but if something happens... You know, I'll say, like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, for what? And I'm like, whew, I'm going to fail this test. I mean, um, that you feel this way, that I, I mean, I don't know. Can we just move past it, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but am I really sorry? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, I, I don't know. I just want to move past it. So maybe you come to a place where someone is saying they're sorry. They're asking for your forgiveness, and you're trying to determine, do they mean it? Do they not? Do they know how much it hurt? They probably don't recognize fully all that it hurt and all that it meant and all that it caused you to process and think, and so you're, you're working through those things. Or maybe you've come to that place, that kind of fork in the road, where they're, they're not asking for, uh, for forgiveness. They should, but they're not. But you know in your heart that you're at a place where you need to forgive. It just, it's better for you, healthier for you. You're holding on to it. It's becoming poison on the inside of you, and you know you got to get rid of it. You come to that place where you've got a decision to make, and forgiveness is that decision. And I want to go to God's word here for just a moment, but before we do, I just want to recognize, as I was studying this week, I just want to recognize that even non-Christian, non-faith, non-Bible people recognize that forgiveness is tough, but it's also right. This is what it says on the Mayo Clinic website. It says, forgiveness means different things to different people. But in general, it involves an intentional decision to let go of resentment and anger. The act that hurt or offended you might always be with you, but working on forgiveness can lessen that act's grip on you. 
It can help free you from the control of the person who harmed you. Sometimes forgiveness might even lead to feelings of understanding, empathy, and compassion for the one who hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting or excusing the harm done to you. It also doesn't necessarily mean making up with the person who caused the harm. Forgiveness brings a kind of peace that allows you to focus on yourself and helps you go on with life. It's from the Mayo Clinic. That's not from the Bible, just a recognition that forgiveness is good, something you should consider and what it looks like and what it doesn't. This is from Johns Hopkins. It says this, it says, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering your risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels in sleep, reducing pain, blood pressure, levels of anxiety, depression, and stress, and research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. I've got my annual physical in a few months, and when my doctor asks, hey, have you been eating better? I'm going to be like, nope, but I've been forgiving people like crazy. See if the tests show that. I mean, it should just, I mean, Mexican all the time, but I've been forgiving people I don't even know, right? It should help if what I'm reading from Johns Hopkins is to be believed. The last sentence said this, and research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection. As you, the older that you get, the more memories you have of all the people who have done you wrong, but there are greater health benefits for us as we age when we forgive. When we, forgive, when we don't hold on to bitterness and malice and rage. It's interesting that even secular people would see that because those are some of the same words that we see in the pages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, the letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, says this in verses 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians chapter 3 Verses 12 and 13 say, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone who offends you. You're God's holy people that he loves. You got to clothe yourself in mercy and kindness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone that offends you. I think this is probably my favorite, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. I I got a brother. It's tough to forgive brothers. It's tough to forgive family. It's tough to forgive friends. I love the stories of Peter in the Gospels because he usually says the wrong thing at the wrong time, really with great intention. He says, Lord, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do. I got a brother who's driving me crazy as he sins against me. How often should I forgive? I mean, I think I'm doing, I'm gonna forgive him seven times. That's good, Lord, right? That's good that I forgive him seven times. That's a big number. And Jesus responds back and says, hey, let me give you a different number. 70 times seven. For those that are keeping score at home, that's 490 times every single day. But the idea being that Jesus wasn't giving him the exact number, because some of you are keeping a a little checklist at your house. You're like, I have forgiven my brother 472 times today, and he is running out of chances, right? It's like, no, no, no. Jesus was just saying, hey, let me give you an outlandish number. Let me just give you this large number that actually exemplifies the forgiveness that I extend to you. There is no limit to my forgiveness in you. 70 times seven, he says, forgive that many times. Put the checklist away, quit keeping score, quit counting, and just be a person of forgiveness. I'm going to ask 
my two oldest sons to come help me. I think Cooper and Branson. If somebody else comes, I'll be surprised. Okay, so Cooper and Branson are coming. I saw something similar to this a few years ago, and it was just a a great visual, I think, for where we're landing today. But Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9 says this. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Said another way, forgiveness unites, but offense separates. I remember when we moved into a house a number of years ago, and that house did not have a fence. I'm going to back this up a little bit, guys. It didn't have a fence in the backyard, and this guy was not this tall. You standing on your tippy toes? Okay, so he was about this tall, and he probably wouldn't run out in front of a car now, but I, I was afraid he might then. And so we had some folks around us that helped us to build a fence around our backyard. And so they came and helped us, and we, 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 poured, we dug the holes and poured the concrete and put, you know, just built the fence so that we could make sure that we were safe and secure and our kids could play and there, there was no danger. But the challenge in our lives is when we allow the words of someone, the actions of someone, the things that they do that, that just kind of cause hurt and pain, when we don't deal with it, that unforgiveness actually builds a fence of offense. And so what happens is instead of living lives side by side, doing life in the way that it's intended, we've built a fence with every offense. And now we are trying to live in intimacy with friends and family with this fence between us because of something they said and something they did. And, and so now in our homes, in our, in our beds, there's a fence between us. And at the top of the stairs between bedrooms, there's a fence between us. And when they come to visit for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or we get together for family gatherings, there's a fence that exists between us and it's a fence of offense because we never dealt with it. The conversation would have been too difficult to have. We, 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 we weren't really ready in the moment to say I'm sorry, so we never said I'm sorry. It was, it was too difficult to say I forgive you, so we never said I forgive you. And so we have a fence of offense. And we are trying to live our lives with this thing between us that nobody's willing to deal with. Nobody's willing to deal with. Nobody's willing to have the hard conversation. Too much time has passed. Too much hurt exists. The wounds are still there. Maybe they have scarred over, but it's still there. And we're afraid if we start to take the fence apart and take it down, even little by little, that it's going to open up those wounds all over again. And it's going to be awkward and it's going to hurt. And, and maybe when they offended us first, we built this fence. But maybe then from our side of the fence, we started throwing grenades across and we started saying things we shouldn't say and we started hurting them in response to the hurt that they caused us and now if we're going to forgive them we actually have to say we're sorry too we didn't start it but we kept it going and in our homes there are fences of offense in marriages between siblings between parents and children between in-laws between grandparents and children and grandchildren in every direction. And we have a choice to make. 
Well, some of us have a choice to make. I'm going to let some of you off the hook right now. If you are in the room and you are not a Christ follower, like you don't claim to follow Jesus Christ, you're here, maybe through your own choosing, you like it here, but you're still not sure what you believe, you haven't kind of fully given your life over to Jesus Christ, you don't live according to his word, or maybe somebody made you come, you didn't even want to come, you heard there were waffles, so you're here for that, but you didn't want to be here. This is a safe place for you to explore. I'm not making fun of you. You come here and you can believe, you can belong before you believe as you kind of search and understand. But we want you to move in the direction of Jesus Christ because he's already moved in your direction. But if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to tear down this fence. You can leave it sitting there. You can allow the bitterness and hurt and pain to stay right there. You don't have to touch it. Every one of your relationships can stay just the way they are right now. You can try to have more cordial conversation. You can kind of fake it. Sitting around the table, they only come to your house two or three times a year. You don't have to deal with it. You can just leave the fence in its place. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have to take any action. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have acknowledged that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you accepted the free gift of salvation, and you have made him the Lord of your life, and to the very best of your ability, you are living your life according to his will and to his way. You, you don't have a choice. The fence has got to come down. The fence has to come down because he's already modeled for us what that looks like. This fence of offense from the things that were said or done to you wasn't the first fence in your life. The first fence was the fence of sin. It was the offense of sin that separated us from God. Actually, it says this in Isaiah 59 too. It says, by your iniquities, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Separate, our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities. There was a fence between us and God. But what we already read in the Lord's prayer that he taught us in Matthew chapter 6, he says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It says this in verses 14 and 15. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. There, there was already this separation. Our sins, our transgressions from birth, our sin flesh, sin nature separated us from God but what we read according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 is this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. There was a fence, but there was also an old rugged cross that Jesus came and lived a blameless, sinless life. And he went to the cross, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that that fence of offense and sin and separation would go away and that he would span that gap, bridge that gap that divided us from our heavenly father. And so we don't, we don't actually have a choice. It's already been decided. We just have to trust and we have to believe that he will strengthen us and equip us. He'll help us to forgive. Thank you, God. We, we come to a moment of decision. We, we, we forgive because he forgave us. 
We tear down fences because he did. And I can't promise you that your marriage will make it. I can't promise that your kids will love you. I can't promise that your parents will take you back in. I can't promise that you're still gonna be friends. But I can promise you that in this moment, it is the will of your heavenly father that we tear down fences. Fences in our family, fences in our home. We have to tear down fences through forgiveness. And I know some of you today, you're like, okay, but like I hear you, Pastor Jeremy, I hear you, and it sounds good in theory, but you don't know, and I'm not there, and I'm not even sure I'll get there. But if I do get there, if I ever get to that place of what you're describing, how do I do it? Three quick things. One, pray to God. Pray and ask the Lord to help you. Pray and thank God for his forgiveness of your sins. Maybe call some of those sins out. God, you forgave me of these things. And I recognize the weight of that sin and that separation. So God, thank you for your forgiveness. Now I'm asking you to help me to forgive. God, help me. My dad taught me a long time ago, it's really tough to stay mad at somebody you're praying for. So you just pray. You pray for you, you pray for them. You pray for the strength of God. The second thing that you do is you prepare what you'll say. If you don't prepare, here's what we know will happen. You'll say things that you regret later. You'll forget to say things you wish that you would have said in the moment. The emotions perhaps will get the best of you. And then your anger and the tears and the frustration all comes kind of spewing out. And you just, you don't get the conversation that needs to be had. So you pray and then you prepare. Write it down. Practice it. Pray it. Talk to a trusted friend. And then after you've prayed and after you've prepared, what do you do? You just go and present it to them. When the Lord releases you to do so, you share what you've prepared and you share what you pray. You, you just go and, and talk to them. And you tell them. And, and, and here's, here's what I want you to know. You are not responsible for their response. I would love to tell you that if you've prayed and you've prepared and you've presented it, that every time what you're going to find is they're going to break down and they're going to apologize and they're going to tell you they realize how much you've hurt, how many tears you've cried, and they're so sorry. Can you ever forgive them? And they're in your debt. They probably won't do that for a couple of reasons. They may not know how deeply they wounded you, but even if they do, they, they probably won't give you the response that you're looking for but you are not responsible for their response. You're only responsible for what the Lord is leading you to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible. Some people in your life may make it impossible. That They may not help you. They may not respond to you. They may not, do what you need. To. If it is possible, though, as much as it depends on you, you just got to do what you feel led to do, what the Lord will prompt you to do, what the Lord will strengthen you to do. And then at the end of that, you just leave it with the Lord and allow him to continue that healing work in your heart to heal those wounds and actually to heal those scars so they don't hurt you anymore. And you just allow him to do that work. That's all you can do. Here's my prayer, that some husbands are going to tear down some fences today. 
that some wives are going to remove some fences they've built this week. Some families are going to sit down and they're going to forgive one another for some hurt they've been carrying for a long, long time. And incredible healing is going to begin to take place in our families. That's what I've been praying for you. That's what I've been believing for. And so here's my encouragement to you. Dad, call your son when you get home. Wives, grab your husband's hand on the way out of church today. Teenager, hug your parents today. Daughter-in-law, shoot a text to your mother-in-law today. Mother-in-law, send a note to your son-in-law. Somebody needs to send their sister a text today or their brother a text today. We've got to tear down some fences. Here's what I believe for every single person. I believe this, that your tomorrow can look so much different when you deal with the pain of yesterday. Tomorrow doesn't have to look like it looks today. You start tearing down fences with the help of God, there can be incredible healing to take place. It's not easy. It's not easy. But neither was the cross. And out of his great love for us, he tore down that fence and he will strengthen you and equip you and encourage you and sustain you and heal you to forgive. So I'm just going to ask you right where you're at, just bow your head. Just for a moment, nobody looking around. And if you would say, Pastor Jeremy, for me, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I'm still separated from God because of the iniquity, transgression, sins that you're describing. And today I confess I'm a sinner and I ask him to forgive my sins and to be my Lord. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Nobody's looking around. Thank you so much. And put it right down after that. Thank you so much. Just a moment, we'll pray. I'll give you some instruction how to respond. And now listen, nobody's nobody's looking around. If you would say right now, I've got to forgive somebody that's hurt me. I need to tear down a fence, maybe in my home, maybe in, in a family, some friends, somebody close. I need to forgive and I'm asking God to help me. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. So many of us today in both services, you can put it right down. Thank you so much for your honesty. God, I thank you right now that you hear us when we pray. And that in advance of this moment, you already knew all that we would have walked through to get us to this place. So God, I pray right now for every person that's acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, forgive their sins and lead and guide their lives. If that's you right now, all you have to do is confess with your mouth, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive my sins. Be my Lord. Help me to take these steps into relationship with you. He's already done the work. He's already accomplished it through the cross of Jesus Christ. Just accept that free gift of salvation by acknowledging your need for him. So God, we thank you today for the decisions that are being made. And God, now I pray for every person that lifted their hand to say, I need to forgive. I pray that you would heal their hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would restore relationships where it's possible. But even where it's not, that, Lord, you wouldn't allow that bitterness and resentment to stay on the inside of them, poisoning their soul, their life, all the fences that they've built up in other relationships because of one pain back there or 
perhaps. Lord, help us to do the work today to tear down these fences of offense. God, we thank you that you spanned the gap and you sent your son Jesus. So now we pray for your strength and your power to be at work in us. I pray for marriages. I pray for sons and daughters. I pray for prodigals to come home. I pray for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas that desire a deeper relationship with their children and their grandchildren. Lord, that that would be possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. So God, we thank you now in advance for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.